Hi, guys. Welcome to our podcast for Supercharged. Uh, this is where we go over uh, various competencies in our leadership development pipeline. And so if you're not familiar with this, there's some information that you can get. Um, you could take a look at our rubric, which is our uh, leadership pipeline, where we talk about various things that we believe are foundational for leadership. Uh, in those, we split those into two categories, competencies and character, with character being the most important of those two. Character uh, traits and development, we typically do in person in our supercharged discipleship time. And competencies, we tend to do via podcasts that you can work on uh, on your own timing uh, as you see fit, sort of on demand. And uh, so in this episode, I've, I've titled this episode, Nonlinear Growth, Nonlinear Growth. And I want to cover some stuff from a competency perspective. In our pipeline, uh, we have a competency about development or creating development plans for people that you are training, discipling, growing, investing in. And uh, I want to I want to start with at a, at a high level, even at a secular level for businesses and organizations, this idea that uh, the retention of volunteers, the retention of staff, if you're a secular organization, uh, retention is is incredibly important. So turnover, so for a secular organization, lo- losing staff members and having to hire new ones. Uh, for a church, obviously, they do the same thing, but, but even for lead volunteers, it's even tougher, right? Developing a new volunteer that lead a team. Uh, turnover is just so costly, and we underestimate both in the secular world and in, in church how how costly turnover can be. And that doesn't mean I don't. Want, I want you to hear when you want to say this. That doesn't mean we should tolerate really bad leaders. That doesn't mean we should allow really bad behavior. Um, but we tend to underestimate the cost of turnover, emotional cost, time cost, energy cost, monetary cost of having to find a new staff member, a new employee, a new volunteer. Uh, It's a lot tougher than we oftentimes want it to be. So it puts this heavy emphasis on not just retention, but on development, on the growth, the leadership growth of individuals in our organizations. So we want our employees, our volunteers, our staff to grow. We want them to grow. We want them to develop. And this episode is going to be about nonlinear growth, particularly what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how growth happens over the kind of macro scale. So at a large scale, how does growth happen in individuals? Because if you're a leader, you're charged with developing, discipling, leading, growing the individuals under your care. So how how does that happen? Um, We're going to take a look at the Bible and we're going to take a look at some examples of that. And I want to I want to start with the this first idea. Uh, that uh, all, almost all development, whether it's your personal growth, whether it's leadership development, whether it's spiritual growth, whether it's development of competencies and skills, or just maturation, emotional maturation, spiritual maturation, is almost always nonlinear. It is very, very uh, infrequently that it is sort of a perfect sequential growth uh, where you one step in front of the other and each day or each week, there's a little bit of growth and more and more and more, and we're always building forward. Uh, in reality, boy, is it not that way. And in reality, it's it's messy uh, by the very nature. It's organic because it deals with people. 
there are going to be missteps and slip-ups and mistakes. Um, you feel like you go backwards, and uh, boy, it is not going to look that way. So, so number one, we've got to remember that when we're dealing with people, any type of development, ourselves or others, it's nonlinear. Yes, really, really critical. It'll be, make it so much easy for you to extend patience and uh, have a better perspective about the, the, where someone's at in a journey of development. So that's number one. Number two, uh, most development, most development, spiritual development, emotional development, uh, character development, competency development, most development, primarily takes place under the surface where you can't see it externally. So if you're working with other people, most of their development, particularly early development, happens in places you can't see it. You don't really see much signs of it. It's, I would call it below the surface or underground. Uh, if, you're, if you're thinking of the iceberg analogy where you only see the tip of the iceberg and most of it's underground, that, that is a great analogy. Farming's probably better. Most of the growth early on for any sort of organic um, organism, any sort of plant life happens underground first. A lot of it. Uh, a lot of that early development, and then it's only much later in the growth cycle that you actually see something above ground, okay? So one, nonlinear. Two, most of it happens below the surface. If you're not already realizing what a challenge it is then for discipleship or growth in other people, uh, this should help with perspective, right? If, if it's not gonna go in a straight line and we're not even gonna be able to see a lot of it early on. Third, third, it generally is gonna take longer than you think. Whatever your time estimation is, it's probably longer, Maybe not, but probably. <laughs> so in almost every area of my life where I've grown or other people have grown that I've been pouring into or developing, it's taken longer than I wanted it to take, uh, a lot longer than I estimated it would take, and uh, happened in a much messier fashion, in a nonlinear fashion. A lot of that development I couldn't see, and then boom, all of a sudden, I see signs of it, and I go, wow, I didn't think this was even happening. Uh, nonlinear, below the surface, probably takes longer than you think. Okay, now, I'm gonna take those points, put them to the side, uh, so that we can talk about you or me in terms of our effort. So, so what is it we do if we're going to develop someone uh, over a period of time? Keeping those three things in mind that we just talked about. Here's the first thing. It's my job to be intentional and patient. Intentional and patient. I'm going to explain why both of those are critical and why they, they really dovetail into the the three realities that we just talked about. Uh, intentional means this. I, I, I need to be able to name specifically who I'm training or discipling or developing. I, like, like not generically like, oh yeah, probably these you know 100 people that are in my organization. Ah, probably not if it's 100 people. Uh, I mean, intimately, are there three people, two people, seven people? Like a, It's gonna be a small number that I am intentionally developing. I have some goals for them. I, I, I'm, I'm uh, on some sort of process, some sort of journey with them where I'm trying to develop them and grow them. And I need to be able to know who those are. And, and here, here's what I would tell you right now. If when I said that you couldn't name those people off, already we have a problem. Already, as a leader, or a developing leader, if you can't name those people off, you have a problem. Now, at the very least, if you're a parent, you should be able to name off some kids. If you're uh, an employee who has any sort of managerial responsibility in your workplace, you should be able to name off some people. If you're in charge of any sort of thing with authority, you, I hope you can name off some people. Uh, I mean, naturally, I think, 
in, in, in life, there's going to be some areas where we've been given that role and we have those responsibilities. But even inside ministry and in lay ministry, so you're just a disciple of Jesus and you've been walking with him for a while. Who are you discipling? Who are you pouring into? Who are you investing in? Whether that's other Christian brothers and sisters that you're walking with or people you're evangelizing to and you're walking with in hopes that God will save them. Either way, you should be able to name those people off. And hear me, if you cannot name those people off, I would tell you, you have a problem. Like you, you, you should put a note down right now of like, I have some work to do in my life to be able to point to specifically who I am intentionally discipling and developing. And we're gonna keep going with that. Now, not only should you be able to name them off, I have a list, it should come to mind pretty easily, Number two, you should be able to talk about how you do that so that you should know the method you're using. So if I asked you or anyone asked you, oh, who are you pointing to? And you named them off. And then they said, well, how are you doing that? That should be clear in your mind, at least. Now, I would submit to you that it probably should be clear in their mind that you're pouring into them, but it may not be. That that at times can be missed. Depends on the type of discipleship, especially when it comes to evangelism. Uh, but you should be able to identify who, and you should be able to articulate to others how, if they were to ask you, what's the method for that? It cannot only be, and it's a big asterisk that you have to hear, it cannot only be through modeling. So like I'm doing life and I'm doing it around them and I expect them to catch what I'm doing and do it like me. That's good. That's really good. In fact, it's necessary. Modeling is going to be an absolute essential part of all leadership development and development in general, Uh, but it can't be the only way. It's got to be something a little more intentional than that. And then I'll explain that in just a second. Uh, So who and how and it needs to be more than simply modeling or doing life and hoping that they they, they catch it. Uh, now, where we get this from, beyond we could go through a lot of secular studies and business development studies and leadership development studies in the secular world, uh, but but we actually can get this very simply just, sim- just, just by looking at Jesus' life, his, his, his three-year ministry here on earth, and how he grew leaders. So we've probably talked about this many times in church. You can hear it again. Jesus had 12 apostles or disciples specifically that he named. Uh, we know he actually had a bigger group of about 70 that followed him around. And we know there's actually even a larger group than that of a couple hundred that would have called themselves followers of Jesus. And we know there were crowds beyond that of thousands at times that came to hear him speak and were interested. So those weren't his only interactions, but he counted 12 that he was pouring into. And of those, he counted three that he was very close with, very intimate with. So he had very, these concentric circles that got smaller and smaller and smaller, but he had 12 men that he poured into very consistently for three years. Now, how did he do that? Let's, let's think about how he did that. He formally was discipling them. So he, he was there, they were his disciples, his followers. They had that relationship with him. He named that uh, relationship so they knew that they were following him and that he was leading them and pouring into them. So it was not, uh, if they asked, you know, oh, is, who's Jesus? They wouldn't have said like, oh, he's a good buddy. He's a guy I hang out with sometimes. They knew uh, that they were being discipled. They were being mentored. Secondly, they were, for the most part, their, their spiritual growth in those three years, if you read the, the accounts of the apostles, 
did not look good. I mean, it was it just not good. Almost all we read about in their lives is their missteps and how dumb they look and ignorant choices they made, and sinful things that they did that Jesus had to correct and clean up. I mean, Jesus is constantly having to explain stuff. He seems at times frustrated with them that they don't even understand what he's saying. There's times where he's like, how can you not get this? How do you not understand? So Jesus, so God incarnate is training 12 people and they for three years mostly don't get it. They, they just don't understand. They, they don't seem like they're growing very much. They don't seem like they're making linear progress in leadership development or spiritual development. Most of it is organic. It's messy. It's missteps. It's Jesus correcting stuff. It's Jesus at times being frustrated with them. You should be encouraged as you hear this with, this is how it's going to work. And so when that happens for you, you don't have to suddenly get mad about it. You don't have to feel discouraged that it's going that way for you. It went that way for Jesus. If you're not going to outdo Jesus in leadership development, okay? I just, that's newsflash, right? So Jesus walks with these men for three years. In that time, they don't seem like they're growing a lot on the surface. They make a lot of mistakes. They're corrected very often. But what is he doing? Number one, he is absolutely modeling. He is modeling what it looks like to walk this Christian path. He's explaining that. He's, he's explaining the relationship with the Father. He's explaining doctrinal things. So he's both modeling it and he's teaching them. He teaches them about God. He teaches them how to pray. He teaches them how to deal with the poor. He teaches them how to deal with the Pharisees. He teaches them how to problem solve. He teaches them how to be dependent on God for things. So he is modeling and teaching them for three years. Three years. That's a long time. Very few of us have a three plus year strategy when it comes to pointing to people. We think if I give them a month, if I give them six months, if I give them a year and a half, that's a long time. So we gotta be more patient. Jesus poured into 12 guys, one of whom he knew would betray him and he poured into him anyways. Now that is a wild thought. If you begin to wrap your head around the fact that Jesus was willing to develop and teach and model and love Judas, knowing that Judas would betray him, knowing that Judas would essentially not be saved. So he's pouring into someone who's not even a quote unquote believer. And so when we think about who we're pouring into, like there's times where you feel like you're pouring into someone and you're not sure if they've actually been saved. I, I, can, I can name off people in the last 15 years that I have put a significant amount of effort into their life. And I, the whole time was like, I don't know if this person's saved. I really don't know if they're saved. And, and some of whom, to, even to this day, I think I, they probably weren't. And Jesus did. And so like, I'm giving you a green light. I'm not saying cast your, your pearls before swine, right? We could get into the meaning of that verse and, and everything. And I'm not, I'm not saying we treat every non-Christian like they're Christian or try to hold them to those standards. I'm not saying those things. What I am saying is there are times where the Lord leads you to invest in a person and walk with a person and teach a person. And because you don't control their salvation, it's possible they will walk away from the faith. They will never actually be saved. Jesus won't regenerate their heart. Uh, it is possible. And yet, if you're called to pour into them, you're gonna pour into them well, just like Jesus did. So what, what do we see in Jesus' model of the disciples? It's a small group. You can't get too big. Uh, there's only so many people you're going to be able to handle. It's very intentional. It does involve modeling and being vulnerable and letting them see your life so they understand how to do it, but it also involves teaching and articulating what it is. You're being intentional in teaching them. They know they're being taught. They know they're being poured into. 
So it's not a trick. It's okay if it looks like for a, a good period of time, they're not getting it or they're not growing. Because what Jesus will do later in the ministry is not only has he walked with them and not only has he taught them, is he will actually grant them authority. He will send them out to evangelize and to teach. He will give them authority and power. He will give them instructions and he will go give them a test run. He lets them go out and then come back. And so he's, he's you know, extending more authority to them and more opportunity for them to probably fail a little bit. And, and what we see at the very end of that, right after his resurrection, he comes back and, and, and teaches them all things. We see some incredibly powerful leaders that have been developed. Now, that doesn't mean they're perfect. They make mistakes even after Jesus comes back, even in the formation of the church, they make mistakes. But Jesus, three years of pouring into them and the presence of the Holy Spirit and their dependence on God is, is just beautiful. And, and that's our example to look at. So when we look back at development being non-linear, whether it's maturation, whether it's spiritual development, whether it's competencies, and we look at it being kind of messy and organic, it's mostly below the surface, just like the disciples were. Most of that growth, did we didn't see it. When we're reading those three years, man, they're just making mistake after mistake after mistake. It's generally gonna take longer than you think. Jesus spent every day, almost every day for three years with these individuals. You probably are not going to get a six to seven day a week, 24 hour a day, three year period with the people you're discipling. So if we were to extend out, how long would it take you to have to live with someone, walk with someone and teach them to have the same amount of time that Jesus spent with his disciples, unless you're living with them, you're, we're probably talking about 10 years. It'll probably take you 10 years or more to spend as much time with someone you're discipling as it took, as Jesus got to spend with his disciples in three years. Just consider the scale of that. So I wanna encourage you. It's gonna take a long time, be patient. Um, I often think back to early days coming back to the faith, early days being saved, early days in ministry, early days trying to, to work inside of church and how rough around the edges I was, how, how often I made mistakes and missteps, uh, offenses that, that needed apology, how reluctant I was to apologize and admit wrong. And I think, man, thank the Lord that he put people in my life that were intentionally discipling me and were patient with me and didn't demand uh, maturation in a shorter period of time because I didn't have it. And, um, and then lastly for you, you should be able to name off who you're discipling. You should be able to name off who you're mentoring and pouring into. You should be able to talk about and articulate how you're going about doing that. And hopefully, but not always, they know that. It's a relationship in which they know they're being poured into. That's all I've got for you guys today. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. Uh, if, you, if you're left with any, any questions from this, I would start with writing down that list of who you're pouring into and how you're pouring into them. And then from there, uh, if you still have questions and you'd like follow up and you don't wait for the next podcast, you can always contact us via email or our Discord. Uh, we'd love to talk to you and help. Thanks so much, guys. The Lord bless.